Before we start the program, I want to introduce you to an event that's coming up this August. The Loma Linda Institute of Worship is offering a worship leadership certificate to help leaders and pastors take their congregation's worship experience to the next level. This August 9-12 through 12 event will include presenters Randy Roberts, Adriana Pereira, Nicholas Zork, Wayne Buckner, Richard Hickam, and more, and provide the opportunity to perform on stage with Steve Green and the Heritage Singers. Come sing, pray, write new music, share testimonies and resources, and grow together with like-minded worship leaders from across the world. Go to LLIW.net to register. Friends, it's continuing to be a worldwide pandemic. It's continuing to be some discord in this nation. And in the same spirit and vein of Pastor Randy praying for our congregation, I'd like to open up today's sermon actually with a prayer. A prayer because, you know, really nothing I say will make an impact. But it is when the Spirit of God and the collective unity of our congregation comes together in prayer, we can make an impact. And so I ask you now, would you bow your heads with me as we pray for a spirit of unity, blessing, and God's continued work on our hearts and in this country. Heavenly Father, Jesus, we are a people of many nations, tongues, and political situations, convictions, and stances. And yet, Jesus, today, in this series of priorities, God, we want to make the priority central to this, that we stand as believers on the rock, which is Christ. And so, Lord, right now, I pray for a spirit of unity to emerge amongst your people. God, meld us together in a spirit that is collectively calling upon you to be our king, to be our ruling guide, to help us through these times. Father, I pray over every leader in this nation. God, I pray that your spirit would be upon them. And I pray, Father, that the Holy Spirit would speak in their life and may they be obedient to your voice and not that of their own heart's desires. And God, I pray that for us too today. Jesus, would you convict your people with the Holy Spirit? And Father, give us the courage to be obedient to that voice which beckons us from within. And Jesus, we pray now for this time, speak in spite of me, in Jesus' name, amen. You know, we began this series on priorities at the beginning of the year because, let's be frank, priorities get shifted real fast. Well, Pastor Randy talked about God being our first and foremost priority in life. How that's the bedrock foundation, Matthew 6.33. Seek first the kingdom of God. Well, now we go to number two, second, and that's family. Some of you may wonder, uh, really, family after God? What about work? What about all the other competing things in my life? What about money? What about the things and providing? Yeah, all those things are good, aren't they? But you see, family must be the next priority. In this modern world, there are so many complexities competing for our time, energy, and desire. Now, if you're like me, you know that it's real easy to let other things slide in and take the place of where the most important people in your life should be. And then what happens? Dysfunction. Well, today I want to take off the pastor's hat and I want to put on the teacher's 
robe, I guess, if you want to say. I want to teach a little bit this, this sermon in particularly because I think there's so much to teach about. I want to share with you about how to build healthy bonds that will build this foundation after the Lord is this set cement, that rock that you can build on. Now let's add that next layer of family. And now I want to jump into this. You know, if you're like me, you might have heard this many times as a kid. Well, at least I did in my home. My mom and dad would look at me and say, Philip, after you honor the Lord, then it's family, then it's money, and then it's things. But that doesn't happen, does it, sometimes? You know, there was a moment in time when I was a chaplain. I remember being called by the ICU nurses to a family's room where someone was about to breathe their last breath. And there I was walking into the room and I met with the wife and there her husband was, the patient, sitting on the bed. And there were others who were in the room with her. And she told me about his life and who he was and how much he meant to her. And then she began to explain who all was in the room there with her. And then her head went down. Her voice got sullen. And she said, there's someone who's not here today. She began to explain to me that his brother and him had a pretty big rift some decades ago and business deal gone awry and they haven't spoken since. And with his last lucid moments of breath, he looked at his wife and in very, very slow speech, he said, don't let him in here. I don't want to see his face. Wow. That story stuck with me and I've repeated it over and over in my life because I learned so much about that. I learned so much about the complexity of life and how misunderstanding occurs and the pain of when hurt goes on for years and years and years. I learned about how family doing business can really be a tough situation. Do it thoughtfully. But I also learned about someone who puts the priorities in their life in the wrong order and how they die with bitterness and anger. And it was in that moment I realized I don't want that in my life. Nor do I want that for you. Some of you right here listening to me this moment when you're tuning in, you've got some priorities that are mixed up. I'm telling you the truth and I say this because, well, again, I'm taking off the preacher's hat and I'm going to put on the believer's broken sandals because I'm just like you. I am broken and in need of correction many a times when it comes to family. I haven't always prioritized them in the right order. You know, I know that some of you might understand this. When you have competing things like kids, it's hard. Oh my goodness, it's hard. We just had our second one. And he is the love of our lives. John Philip, two months old, about to hit three months. And he gets up when he wants to get up. And then we have an almost two-year-old, Petra, and she gets up really whenever she wants to get up. Talk about, you know, even putting God first and then they're screaming and then I got work. Well, Elena, who's going to watch the kids? And I can't, I need to do... It gets messy. Let's just say that. And so I tell you everything that I'm about to tell you 
with incredible humility, with incredible sorrow, that I haven't always done it the right way. But I have learned, and what I'm going to teach you this morning, are from three different lists on how to build healthy family bonds. I've learned these lists and these items because I'm a sibling, I'm a brother, I'm a friend, and I'm a father, and I'm a spouse. Some of you might be married, some of you might be single, no kids, some kids, divorced, estranged, dysfunctional. It doesn't matter. Today is for you because if you're breathing and watching this, you're part of a family, whether it's a complete one, a big one, a healthy one, or a broken one. I'm going to share with you three different lists. The first one is how to practically prioritize family to build healthy bonds in 2021. The second list are going to be a list of spiritual strengths, kind of how to spiritually strengthen your family in 2021. And then the third one are how to definitely destroy family bonds in 2021. So let's look at the practical ones, shall we? I'm going to look at my computer here for a moment. I'm going to read you off a few things that I wrote that I think are just so important. And the first kind of start this off with, I'm going to read a Bible verse to you. It comes from Malachi chapter 4 and verse 5 and 6. Because you see, God wants to take dysfunction and he wants to bring order to it. And that's one thing he promised through the prophet Malachi. In the last days, this is what he's going to do. This is what he wants and yearns for the kingdom, for his people. That family disunity will be brought back to unity. So listen to this with me. See, I will send the prophet Elijah to you before that great and dreadful day of the Lord. He will turn the hearts of the parents to their children and the hearts of the children to their parents. You see, God wants to bring order to our chaos. It is, I believe, as a pastor, my yearning desire to bring order into my own family. The New Testament speaks to that. Hey, May it be said that the leader has a family that's ordered correctly. But guess what? It is tough, isn't it? But you see the cool thing, the beautiful thing, the glorious and divine thing is that Jesus' desire is that he's on your team and he surrounds his mighty angels around every home, around every precious home where tears are shed at nighttime of a spouse crying because this is so difficult, of a sibling who's crying their eyes out because it just seems as though mom and dad keep fighting. He's at the home of that parent who looks upon those longing years of when the kids were at home and now it's an empty nest and they're all alone. God is there and he wants to bring order to our disorder. That's amazing. Now, why is that? Well, Genesis 1, 27, listen to this. The reason is, is because God created family. Genesis 127 says, so God created humankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. And then he told them, be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth. God has a vision for how family is supposed to be. And if he's created, if you have breathing right now, he will equip you and sustain you. Isn't that awesome? God is going to fill your life with everything he needs to to build you up and to create a healthy family. Now, Paul tells us, live peaceably among everyone as much as it's up to you. That means it's up to you to do certain things, but it also means it's up to others to follow along. 
So before I go any further, I want to put this caveat in here. You might do everything right. I remember talking to one family who did everything right for their kids. I mean, they were amazing parents. They provided everything they could financially, materially, emotionally, spiritually, and yet their kids still disengaged from faith. I don't say the word lost because I don't believe our children are lost in that same sense as many of us use that word flippantly. They're lost. The children are lost. They're not lost. God knows where they are and he's finding them. He's with them. He's surrounded them and they can be re-engaged. But these parents did everything they could and they cried at that table. I remember when I was a young youth pastor in Washington telling me about their kids that had disengaged and left everything that they truly believed in in terms of God and faith. So you might follow this list perfectly, but remember, it's like coming to a crossroads at an intersection. You might be obeying the laws of God and community and society. You're looking at that light, it's red, and so you're sitting there patiently, faithfully, and then someone just wrecks into you. It's because other people have their own life and control. They choose how they want to live their life. So we go into these lists and these suggestions with that caveat that you may do everything right and yet still people are given a choice. So listen to this first list that I'm going to share with you, how to practically prioritize healthy bonds and families. Number one, have daily mealtime together. Now, I say that also with the if possible. Some of you live with super serious schedules where you're working three days and then you're off. Some of you might understand that, hey, I get home really late and I don't see the kids or I don't see my wife or I don't see my siblings and others. I've got, I understand that. But do it as best you can if possible every day. Why? Social science tells us that kids who are raised in homes where family meals are cooked together and they sit down around a table without a TV and in a positive environment, have healthier self-esteems, make healthier food choices later in life, have emotional strength and stability, they're also less depressed and suicidal. And parents themselves have emotional responses with releasing more endorphins and dopamine, just feeling good themselves when they're around together, talking, communicating. Have family meals together, number one. Tuck your kids in at night, number two. That emotional connection when you can spend time with your children. You might be a parent and you're saying, wow, but my kids are older. I don't have that time. Well, call your kids. They might be across the country. Call them, connect with them. Well, my kids don't want to call and talk to me. Okay, well, let me talk to the kids for a moment. Call your parents. They're telling me all the time, my kids don't want to talk. Call your parents, okay? They need that. <laughs> Number three, set weekly date nights with your spouse and your children. I love how one of my friends, he does it every month, he'll set a time, and even some of them can do it every week. Now, some of you might not really have kids. You're single and you're wondering what in the world. Well, have date monthly dates with your siblings and your parents. You might be in college, you're like, ah, my parents are way across the country. Well, call them, call your parents. Harping on you again, I know. Create media-free zones that you just don't use any media for at least an hour every day. And then try and do it for a day a week. Yeah, that's a tough one. Number five, choose a hobby that you're gonna use together and build and grow in. That's such a great thing. Number six, and the last one on how to practically prioritize healthy family bonds, set 
things up every week in your schedule to have a routine that we're going to put these family times in the calendar. My wife and I have struggled to do this, but we're trying to be faithful with it. Guess what? We're getting away as a couple. The next few days, we're going to be gone. And I put it in the calendar. I booked a nice hotel. We got grandmas both to watch the kiddos. I put it in the calendar. I told my wife. We scheduled it in. You have to do these things in order to prioritize family in 2021. I know it's tough, but you got to do it. Let's talk about the next list, how to spiritually strengthen family bonds in 2021. This one begins with intentionality. Number one, number one, intentionally and thoughtfully pass on faith. You know, Timothy in the Bible is actually known as the first, second generation believer. In the book of 1 Timothy, and 2 Timothy, we catch this vision of who Timothy was in chapter 1 of 2 Timothy 1.5. And it says that his mother and grandmother were believers of the way. Their father was a, his father was a Greek, and so he wasn't necessarily in the faith, but his mother and grandmother were. And they shepherded him. They loved him. They supported him. And they yearned to see faith pass on. I know that every believing parent who's watching this, who has a faith in Christ, wants to see faith go on into their children. I know it's true, but sometimes we forget that we have to intentionally do that. You have to set time to thoughtfully think through, how am I going to raise this child to know the Lord? There's so many ways you can do that, but you have to be intentional about it. Number two, this is a really important one, and it builds off of number one. Be consistent with your walk with Jesus. Or said differently, walk the talk you talk. You know, I remember reading in this little tiny book, I can't encourage you enough to get a copy. It's called Inside Out by Don McLafferty. And in this book, it's very short, there was a story of a, of a young father who had kind of gone estranged from his, his wife. Things didn't go right. And he had the boys and now he was trying to train up his children to know and love the Lord. And so he was trying to teach them about the Bible and how to go to church. And they were doing that intentionally as a family. And then the father met someone and he started dating her and they kind of got into a serious relationship. And one thing after another, this woman started to spend more time at the home and more time until she stayed overnight. She stayed over for a week. She started living there. The two boys one day kind of looked at their father and he could see something was on their minds. And the little boys looked at dad and said, Dad, I thought that you have to be married till someone can sleep with you. They didn't even know how to formulate the words. It was almost confusion. The father's conscience was pricked. He understood completely what they were saying. He had been trying to teach them all these things, trying to raise them the right way. And here he was living his life inconsistently to what he wanted to communicate to his kids. Step number two, you've got to walk the talk you talk. It's just so important. You see, faith is less taught than it is caught. That means kids are the biggest copycats in the world. If you don't really care about reading the Bible and you, you tell your kids to read their Bible and pray, they're not going to read their Bible and pray because they don't see that example. And then there's the opposite. There's kind of those parents that are just 
read your Bible. And then they read their Bible and they have an angry face on it. It's just not a joyful experience. So, I mean, you've got to do it thoughtfully, kindly, and in a way that's going to be caught. Well, I want to tell you this. If your kids have walked away and you found yourself feeling like you've done everything you could, I felt like I did walk the talk I talked, Philip. What in the world? My kids aren't here. I want to tell you, be patient. Like I said in the beginning, they're not lost. They are disengaged right now. If there's anyone that can help them, it is Jesus and it is the Holy Spirit. And your prayers and your consistency and loving them in spite of their choices is so, so important. If you have siblings right now who've walked away, disengaged from faith, you have every opportunity to still impact their life. So even though you're, quote unquote, walking the talk, right now, you've got to be intentional. Think about some other ways about doing it. So can you do some loving things for them? Can you still engage in conversations with them? Can you still support them? Don't let go of those who've, quote unquote, let go of God and even staying connected to you. Hope is not lost. Number three, how to strengthen spiritually family bonds. Seek harmony by showing honor. What do I mean by that? Well, Jesus gives us this incredible example in Luke chapter 2, verse 51. It says that Jesus was submissive to his parents. That's kind of how he fulfilled the fifth commandment where it says, honor your mother and father. Why? That your days may be long and full. It's the only commandment that literally gives you this blessing and it's rooted in honor. Paul tells us, seek to live in harmony, in in peace with everyone that you can. Do it. Why? (laughs) Because you want peace and harmony in your home. You know, there's so many things you can fight about. I remember coming up to my wife and being really tic-tac-y about things and man, there was so much disharmony with us at times. And I realized, is this really that important? Or am I just trying to create disorder in our home? Sometimes we need to remember, though, that honor is found not always in how we think it is. Honor doesn't mean obeying, but it definitely does mean respecting. You know, some parents and kids might have, quote unquote, walked away from faith and they have choices that they're making and they want to give you advice on what you should do with your life and you know it's not rooted in spiritual foundational things. They're giving you kind of principles and what to do and you should fight back and you know things aren't right necessarily because it's not rooted in godly principles. Well, you can still respectfully honor people that don't necessarily agree with your moral foundation, but you do it with honor. This next year is a big year to do that. There's so many things coming up in these next coming weeks. My friends, seek harmony by honoring one another. You might be differing in opinions about politics, how to raise the kids, money, all kinds of things. I'm talking to the singles out there. I'm talking to the grandparents, all of you. This is not the time to lose the character of Christ within us. Now is the time to live as Jesus did, who was willing to submit to those in his life who were authorities to him. And it's okay. There's nothing wrong with that. Sometimes we feel as though we're being treated as a doormat. Well, if I submit to this person, well then, don't let your pride get the best of you. Next point, show you care, don't assume it's known. You know, Jesus looked at his disciples in John chapter 14 and verse 15 and he said, if you love me, what? 
follow my commandments. You see, it's not about salvation I'm talking about here. I'm not saying you're going to lose your salvation if you start doing all these works. I'm not saying that. And I'm not trying to build it based upon works. But listen, even Jesus understands if you love him, you're going to do things that communicate that love. You know, the story goes, a wife looks at her husband 20 years after they were married and, he sa- and she says to her husband in a question, she's very frustrated, do you even love me? And the husband looks at her and he says, why would you even question that? Don't you remember when we said I do? I said I love you. And his anger on his face didn't communicate the love, did it? And he assumed that saying I love you 20 years ago was enough. And guess what? It's not. You have to communicate those things every single day. But guess what? You have to back up what you say with action. Because love is not just a noun, it's a verb. Love has flesh and blood to it. And so don't assume your sibling knows you love them. Don't assume your parents know you love them. Don't assume your grandparents know you love them. You have to show them that kind of love. And the same thing for parents to kids. It's so, so important. Retell stories of God's faithfulness. Next point of how to strengthen spiritually family bonds in this next year. Retell stories of God's faithfulness. Listen to what Deuteronomy 6, 6 through 9 says. And these words that I command you today shall be on your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children and shall talk of them when you sit at your home, when you walk by the way, when you lie down, and when you rise. You shall bind them on the sign as your hand, and you shall put them on the frontlets of your eyes. You shall write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. Put God's faithfulness everywhere in essence. And when you retell the stories of God's faithfulness as the people of old did, it brings back a desire for faith and how to spiritually strengthen one another. You know, my brother has this story of when he was a little boy. It was Friday, almost Sabbath, sundown was coming and my family was at our kind of uh, uncle's home on the beach there in Croatia and my brother had lost his snorkeling mask. That mask was just part of him. It was always glued to him. But in this moment, it fell out into the ocean right there where they were. And my mom looked at my brother and said, son, it's almost sundown. We need to go home. And then my dad looked at my brother and he said, but let's pray about it. Let's sit here and pray about it. And I believe that God will help us find your mask. I know you've been looking, but let's try one more time. And so they sat there, kneeled right on the beach, on the rocks, and they prayed, dear God, please help us. And Amen. And my brother dove in again. My dad dove in again. One last time. And they found it. And this story was told again and again. You see, when we thought something was lost, God provided. And there were other stories that I could tell you of when we didn't have any money when we came to America, no food in the fridge, and God literally, literally we believe it was angels, were sent to our door, knocked, and bags of food were given. A check was put in the mail. Where did this come from? Who gave this to us? It was the Lord. Through other human beings who were impressed to be faithful and obedient. You know, telling those kind of stories just encourages people, brings life back to their eyes. Yes, you're right. Faith is still real. We can make it in this coming day as we retell stories of God's faithfulness. Next, next point, 
prioritize Sabbath rituals. You know, in our home, we would make haystacks growing up as a little boy on Friday evenings. I remember, now this was in my kind of growing up with my parents in America, just the three of us. My brother and sister, they had elaborate meals back in Yugoslavia, former Yugoslavia, and in Belgrade there and in Sarajevo. And they would always tell me, oh, for Sabbath meals, we would have mom make this cake, this cake, this, all, all these things. Hey, I didn't get that, but I got haystacks. <laughs> and it was something I loved. Oh man, it was so wonderful. And see, our little family, we're starting to build these family Sabbath rituals. We're trying to work on Thursday evenings to kind of create a cooking experience and cleaning the house to kind of prepare for the Sabbath that's coming. So there are little kids know, wow, there's something beautiful about to emerge. And lastly, pray and worship together every day. It doesn't have to be very long. It doesn't have to be elaborate, not a big Bible study, but make it fun and enjoyable. But try and do it every day. If it means grabbing your spouse and just giving her a kiss and hug and just saying, Jesus, protect this woman as she goes to work. Hugging your children, saying, Lord, bless you as you go forth. Do these things every day. Now I want to share with you a list that some of you are wondering and anticipating, what is this one about? A list on how to definitely destroy healthy family bonds in 2021. Listen to this. Reorder the priorities. Go ahead. Reorder the priorities. Put work first. Oh, uh, you know what? Maybe even put your hobbies before your family. How many sports enthusiasts out there are stories I've heard? They just pay attention to the TV all day, all day long. Well, highlights and reels and they just keep watching them. I want to spend time with the kids or she always has gone shopping and never at home and we're just in... Uh, how many times have you heard when just people prioritize everything besides the most important thing first? It creates disorder. Go ahead, reorder the priorities and see what happens. Matthew 6, seek first what? The kingdom of God. Friends, when you put the right priorities in the right order, you ensure the best possible outcome out there. I don't say the exact outcome you're looking for, but the best possible one. So, definitely want to destroy your, your healthy family bonds? Go ahead, reorder the priorities as you want. Hey, some people won't like it when you start reordering them back in the right direction. Listen, I know we've been doing things we shouldn't. I'm not going to do that anymore. What? Are you kidding me? I can't believe that. Why? You're going to have a lot of frustration when you start trying to put your life back in order. And it's hard. But stay faithful to that. Because you want to live under the graces of God with his blessing. He blesses faithfulness. Scripture declares that over and over. Next thing, play favorites. Favor one of your children over the other, one parent over the other. If you catch anything from Genesis 37, the story of Joseph is that kids don't like when people are playing favorites. You know, I know this is something new for us. We have two children. I love them both. Now, at this moment, it seems as though the youngest one is really sometimes in an uproar. But then other times it's the other one, and I seem to like this one more than that. But I love them both, and I want to cherish them and show them that throughout their life. Try and do that with your siblings, your parents, other people in your family. Show them equally that you love them. Last one is this. 
you definitely want to destroy your family bonds, then don't think about this one. Go ahead. Don't think about it at all. Just keep on sinning and assuming that there's no consequences. But if there is anything that Scripture tells us, read Exodus chapter 34 and verse 7 when you're done with the sermon today. Sin has consequences. But people in a home who assume, ah, you know what, it's not a big deal if I do this. Yeah, it's not a big deal if I do that. Where has it led you? I counsel people over and over who are sitting in shame, the things that they do when no one's watching, the things they do that hurts others constantly, the things they do that they assumed had no consequences. You have to take sin so seriously. It breaks family bonds. Some of you have walked down that difficult road of divorce. Some of you have walked down that difficult road of kissing someone you shouldn't have. Some of you have walked down that road of saying words you wish you wouldn't have. Some of you have walked down the road of cheating and lying and you know how painful that's been. Sometimes in those moments, we just don't assume and think too clearly, do we? And we're left in shambles and hardship and and just headache. But I want to tell you, and I don't want to leave you in this place. I wanted to end with this because I thought it was just so important. You see, Jesus tells us in Malachi that he wants to bring order to the dysfunction. And how does he do that? He does it like this. He died on a cross for you and me. For who? For sinners. If you're watching this assuming you're a perfect saint, you're probably the wrong person that I'm talking to. You should be in heaven right now. You must be an angel watching. But I'm talking to the person who understands they've made the mistakes. They haven't built the strongest spiritual bonds, the practical bonds. They've been destroying their family slowly. But if Jesus' promise is true, it is that he brings order to disorder. What happened to the guy named Jacob who destroyed his family by lying about who he was to his brother Esau, really tricking him and taking his birthright and then tricking his father and taking Esau's blessing? Go to the book of Genesis and read about the dysfunction of what happened. Oh, it was awful. It was awful. But then years later, Jacob finds himself in an evening alone, wrestling, and we find out it was with God himself. And there three times he's asked this question, who are you? And repeatedly over and over, he finally tells the truth. You see, God will bring the opportunity for you to make things right. You might have not done things right in the past, but he'll bring it up again. And in that wrestling with God, Jacob is told this Incredible thing. I no longer will call you this, but I'll call you that. Wow. God now gives him a new identity. And God will give you too, my friend, a new identity in him. When you surrender your life again afresh, your family's life afresh this year. And so, I want to bless you. I want to pray over you. I want to counsel you in this. Seek first the kingdom of God. Secondly, put your family next. It is so important. You know, there are so many things you can do with your life, but you'll never regret putting your family right there behind the Lord. 